The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are going to cover this chapter that, um, that at first glance is, is really not, I think, what we think it's about. Sometimes I have communication issues with Sandy. That's, that's shocking, isn't it? And usually it's not Sandy's issue, but it's my issue. Can any husband say amen to that? And, and I hear what she's saying, and she will give me the details. Now granted, sometimes she tells me 20 things in one paragraph. But I can typically repeat back to her what she said. And she will say, you're not hearing me. And I'm like, what? I just said exactly what you said. And you say that I'm not hearing you. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Uh, she's trying to tell me that, uh, that I did not take the trash outside when she asked me, and I say, okay, I will make a better effort of taking the trash out when you ask me. She said, you're not hearing what I'm saying. And I'm like, what? And she says, it made me feel unappreciated when you didn't take the trash out. Do we get that? Well, I think that's what Paul is communicating here in chapter 12. Now, hang with me. We, we have a tendency to think that 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is all about spiritual gifts. And granted, Paul is addressing some questions and concerns that were there in that local church in Corinth about spiritual gifts. But what he's really trying to say is not necessarily, here's what spiritual gifts are and make a list so that they can determine which gift they have. But what he is trying to say is what he's been saying all the way from the first chapter of 1 Corinthians when they were squabbling over who they're following. Are they following Paul or Barnabas, etc., etc.? And he's dealing with unity in the body. And what Paul is trying to communicate to them is, guys, it's not about spiritual gifts, but it is about unity in the body in the midst of diversity of gifts. And the greatest thing that is most important in Paul's heart and his mind when he's writing to this church is not so that they can identify their spiritual gifts, but what he's trying to communicate is, guys, unity and love in the body is supreme. And so he starts this chapter by writing this to him, now concerning spiritual gifts, brother. So evidently he's responding to the letter that he probably received from them, asking him these questions, and he's talking about spiritual gifts. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. In other words, it's good to be informed about spiritual gifts and how to use them in the body. He says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And what He's reminding them then, and what the Holy Spirit is reminding you and I today, is that everyone in this room was once a pagan. 
Now, that is a derogative term in its sense, because anyone who is considered not to be Jewish was a pagan, and it had the idea that they worshipped other gods, or there were idols in their lives, and you and I, every one of us, until we came into a saving relationship, Shaniqua, by the way, happy birthday for your eighth year of being born again. I love that. We were all once pagans. We all had different idols in our lives, and maybe we didn't worship a carven image, but we worshiped other things other than the living God. Can I say amen to that? And the challenging thing in the Christian life is not to be drawn back to idol worship, right? But to continue to worship the living God. And it was by God's grace that He opened our eyes to the fact that just as sin entered the whole human race through one man, that righteousness has now been granted by those who trusted Christ, the one that was sent for our righteousness. It was by God's grace that we recognize that we are all sinners and in need of a Savior. As Paul would say, For I know that in me dwelleth no good thing. And I would propose to you this morning that if you're here and you never came to the place that you recognize that in you there dwells no good thing, then it's possible you have never trusted Christ for your sa- as your Savior. You see, we first have to be torn down in that sense spiritually to recognize that we are utterly lost and separated from God because of a sin nature that we inherited through Adam. And that until we trust Christ for the payment of our sins, we are still dead in our sins and lost. Can I say amen to that? And so he's reminding them, and I think what he's reminding them of is that the most important thing is that by the Spirit of God, you are now able to say, Jesus is Lord. I don't know about you, but before I was saved, I couldn't say, Jesus is Lord. I may have repeated something I learned in Sunday school, but if it wasn't here, I couldn't say it with all sincerity. And only by the Spirit of God can we say, Jesus is Lord. So he starts with that introduction. And then he begins to talk about these spiritual gifts. And I want to emphasize again that what he is pointing to is that in the body of Christ, there are different kinds of gifts. There are different kinds of services and there are different kinds of works that God has foreordained to give by His grace to each and every one of us to be used for the edification of the whole body. He first begins to point out the fact that these gifts that He has given us are actually gifts of grace. Look what He says in verse 4. He says, now there are varieties of gifts. By the way, this is not the only chapter in the New Testament that relates to gifts given by God. Paul's intent was not to list every single gift and every single ability in these brief verses. There are two other passages. If you're taking notes, I hope you are. You can look at later. Romans 12, verses 3 to 8 is another list that Paul gives. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, there are another listing of gifts that God has given to the body. But he calls these gifts. And the word gifts, I don't try to impress you with Greek, but this is important to understand. The word gifts comes from the same root word that we get the word grace from. And what does grace mean? Grace means that it is something that is given 
completely, utterly by God's favor and by God, and that we can do nothing to earn that gift. And so God has gifted every member of the body with some type of spiritual gift. It may be that it's an ability that we have had, maybe from birth, that we gain just being through our genes, but God empowering that by the Holy Spirit can bring that to a level that it can be used in the body of Christ so that all of the body might benefit. And so he calls these grace gifts, meaning that you and I did not do anything to get the gift that we have. Aren't you glad that it's all him and it doesn't depend on us? The second thing I want to point out is that he begins by illustrating that how these gifts operate within the body of Christ in diversity yet unity by illustrating for us the Trinity, You see, we are created in the image of God. And the body of Christ is to represent God in all of who He is among ourselves and also to those who have not yet been born again. And he says that these gifts, there are varieties of them, but it's the same Spirit, the same Lord, and the same God, or the same Father. And what do we see in the Trinity? We see God the Father, who has His distinct role as the Father, yet God. We see God, Jesus, who has a distinct ministry and operation that He serves in the Godhead, yet He is God. And we have God the Holy Spirit, who uniquely functions in a different way or different role than the Father and the Son, yet they are all God. Now, what is that telling us? That's telling us that there is a diversity in the Trinity, yet they are God, and there's unity there. You never see Jesus getting jealous of the Holy Spirit, do you? You never see Jesus limiting the Holy Spirit in His serving, do you? You see, they're different, yet they are one. And so we see that first thing that I want us to recognize. And then he says this as we go on in verse 7. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And you may not have identified what your spiritual gifts are yet, but you will as others in the body identify you operating in those spiritual gifts that you have. Notice that He has given to each member. So if you're sitting here this morning saying, well, I don't have any gifts, that's just not true. God, the Holy Spirit, has given a gift to you or gifts to be used for, what does He say here? For the common good. You know what that tells me? That tells me that the gift that God has given me, the gift that God has given you, or the gifts that God has given us are not for us, but they're are not for moi or me, right? But they are for what? The common good. God distinctly knows what gifts are needed in what local church body so that they may accomplish the mission that God has established them for. And I don't have any question 
that within our body, God has given every gift that is necessary for us to accomplish the mission that He has given to us, and I would say to all local churches, to win people to Jesus, make disciples of them, and send them. And they function in different roles, but all of them are towards that goal for the building up of the body, the edifying of the body, and to complete the mission that He has called us to. He says they're for the common good. If you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, turn over to 1 Peter real quick. 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter writes this in verses 10 and 11. He says, as each has received a gift, they're again reinforcing the fact that we have all received a gift. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied graces. So what is he saying? He's saying, take the gift that God has given you and use it to do what? Are you all with me? Serve others. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, then you must be what? A servant of all. And so that tells me that He has not given you or me a gift for our self-edification, but He has given us gifts so that we might serve one another. Jesus said Himself, I did not come to be served, but I came to what? I came to serve. And we have to cut against our culture that we are in today that kind of has the idea of me-ism and I am central to everything and recognize that it ain't about it ain't about me it's about us right and so he says these gifts have been given he goes on to say that we're to be good stewards that means we're to use those and then verse 11 he says whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. He has not given you and I gifts for our own self-glory, but He has given us gifts that we might use them so that the name that is above every name, that name of Jesus, may be glorified and not our own. Amen. Look what he says. He goes on here in this passage. Not only are they there for the common good, but I want us to notice that the gifts that he gives, and he begins to list some of them. He says, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by one Spirit. And to another, the working of miracles, and to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues, and all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. Notice what he says here at the last part of that verse, who appoints to each one individually as he will. You see, Jesus is Lord of the church. And it's His prerogative to appoint and to give gifts within the body of Christ as He wills. Now, what does that tell me? 
that tells me that I am not the one to go out and seek a particular gift from God. If God so chooses and wills to give you or me a specific gift, He is the one that will give. He's our creator. He's our master. We're not the Lord of His lives, although sometimes we think we are. He is Lord of the church, and He determines what the body needs. Now, this morning, I'm not going to do a dissertation of all the explanation of the gifts, and we know there are debates among all the gifts, and you can go back and listen to previous sermons that I preached, especially through Acts, where I define some of these gifts that are given in the body of Christ, and that's not Paul's intent as well. Paul's intent is to say, listen, regardless of what God has willed to give to the church in gifts and services and ability, he gives on his prerogative and it's for the common good so that he might receive glory. And that's the bottom line of all of these things. Someone helped uh, one time by writing these different gifts as it's taken in all of the different texts that I mentioned that may help us understand if we categorize in some way these gifts that he's given. I can't remember who it was where I got this from or I'd give him credit, but it helped me understand in a categorical sense what these gifts are and maybe it'll help you. He broke them down into three areas, prophetic gifts, priestly gifts, and kingly gifts. The first one, prophetic gifts, he mentioned that it's, it's the ability based on understanding and the ability to articulate truth, the truth of the Word of God. And in that category, there is the gift of wisdom that God has given. I thank God for those in the body of Christ who have the gift of wisdom because I'm a visionary person, right? I mean, I see a mountain out there, and I want to go for it. And I love people in the body that have the gift of wisdom, and they say, wait a minute, J-Mo, slow down a little bit, right? You see, that's the weakness of having that gift to be able to have a visionary. I, I want to I climb every mountain that's out there and go for it, and I need people around me in the body of Christ, not those that are trying to squelch the movement of God, but those that are saying, now, wait a minute, J-Mo, let's back up a little bit and let's think about this. I love David Hammonds on staff. He does that for me. Y'all pray for David. Because I get a lot of crazy ideas. But I need that around me. Can you say amen to that? Now, most of you husbands would say, yeah, the, the one that speaks wisdom is the one that God gave me, right? Listen to her. The gift of knowledge would be under that, that, that gift of prophecy and not foretelling the future, but forthtelling. This is what God says. This is what His Word says. Tongues, which I believe is a known language, an interpreter of tongues, the discerning of spirits. I don't understand it, but, but I happen to operate in this gift, and, and I have to watch it. I have to be careful, but God's placed those in the body of Christ that have a discernment of spirit because sometimes there are wolves in sheep's clothing that come in among the body of Christ. And it's good to have those folks around you who can say, listen, I can't put a finger on it, but be careful. There's something there that just doesn't check in my spirit. Now, that person wouldn't have that knowledge except by the Holy Spirit of God. There are those who have the gift of evangelism. Let me make a comment about this. We are all called to evangelize, but I've met people who can witness to a rock and the rock gets saved, right? 
You see, we're all called to evangelize, but there is that gift. And I believe in this body, God has given those who have the gift of evangelism to be exercised and used. There's the gifting of teaching, and he's not talking about oration or orating uh, the gift to be able to, to speak, to make everybody swoon and wound, but the one who is able to cause others to learn the truths of the Word of God. You see, that's what that word teaching in the language means. It doesn't mean one that is a good orator. It means one who has the ability to cause others to learn. I'm so thankful for those that work in our children's ministry, serve in our children's ministry, who have the gift of teaching. And it excites me on Sunday afternoons when I talk to my nine-year-old granddaughter and say, Selah, what did, you guys, what did you guys learn? And man, she can just spill it out there. And not only the truths, but where she's being taught to apply these truths in her life. Thank God. I don't know... I'm thankful for those who serve in the children's ministry. Can you put your hands together and just say thank you to them right now? Priestly gifts, one based on an understanding and, and supplying basic needs that are there. There's a gift of encouragement and exhortation, Romans chapter 12. Listen, Monday mornings, I need the gift of encouragement to be operated in my life. You understand? Somebody with the gift of encouragement oftentimes can do far more in the ministry of church than one who's a great orator or speaker. That gift of shepherding or pastoring that he's given, Ephesians chapter 4. The gift of serving, Romans chapter 12. The gift of sharing, Romans chapter 12. By the way, that might be the gift of healing. I just have to say a side note here. You know, sometimes people seek certain kind of gifts. But I've never heard anybody saying, you know what, I am praying for the gift of giving. <laughs> Isn't that something? There's that gift of giving. The gift of mercy, Romans chapter 12. The gifts of helping, the gifts of healing and miracles. Then there are the kingly kind of gifts that, that are for direction, for a group needs. There's the gift of faith. We all have faith to a degree, but have you ever met people that, that have faith, that understand, and the thing that they understand is based on the truth of the Word of God, that the victory has already been gained, and they pray and they believe in faith that God has already won the victory for us. He's gone ahead of us. I'm an administrative kind of person. And while I have faith, I kind of have a tendency to look at all the stuff that's got to happen before that comes. And sometimes that can rob me of faith. And I need people around me that say, you know what? No, this is, this is in accordance with God's Word. And we believe that God has already given us His ground. Though we don't see it yet, we're praying in belief and knowing that God is going to take us there. There's the gift of administration, the gifts of of apostleship or church planting would be a better way. And then there's the gift of leadership. But let me underline this and let me give some specific application to these spiritual gifts that Paul outlines in all of these passages. Number one is this. I heard this years ago, and it was good wisdom, I think, concerning spiritual gifts. And the person said, seek not 
forbid not. Seek not, forbid not. And what he meant was, listen, don't seek the gifts, especially the, most, the more static gifts. And many have been led astray in that. We'll be talking about that when we look at chapter 14. Just seek not, but yet forbid not. And I think the forbid not is for us in the church as we see and recognize those that are gifted in a certain area. And one of the greatest damages that can be done in a local church is that we forbid those to serve in areas because they have the gifting because we don't either trust them, we don't know them long enough. And the biggest issue is, no, this is my area and nobody else is coming into it. You see, one of the key points of leadership is knowing that a leader is in place for one reason, and that's to raise up other leaders to take their place. Oftentimes, I'll have people come to me and say, Jamie, I want to do this, and I'm like, well, do it. I mean, it's great to, to communicate with leadership in the church. But it's not my place, you got to hear me in this, it's not my place to restrict what God has appointed to do within the body of Christ through the gifting in the body. I I, I get a lot of resounding. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, there doesn't need to be a ceiling there that holds back. Now, there has to be character that's examined and all those kinds of things. But listen, if God's placed a gift in this body, it needs to be used. And it's not me or any other pastor's role to restrict that person in that if everything is copacetic in their life. The second thing is this. If God's given you a gift, use it. (laughs) Use it. But don't abuse it. If God's given you a gift, use it. We are not here to have Sunday morning hallelujah parties. They are great, and I love them. They encourage me. But listen, there are six other days during the week. And God has given us gifts and He's called us to a world that is lost. And we can employ those spiritual gifts, not just in the church, but where He's taken us every day in our lives. Carly, you have a great gift of making chocolate malts at Beasley's Pharmacy. And I take advantage of that on occasion, right? Wherever it is, use your gift. The third thing is this. We don't need to broadcast what our gift is. You see, when we find somebody that's wanting to be known to everybody else what their spiritual gift are, what that's really communicating is they think it's all about them and not about Him. You see, I've learned this in the body of Christ, that where people have gifts that God has given, and the Holy Spirit has led them to employ those gifts, it will be recognized by those around them. They don't have to go around broadcasting. As a matter of fact, if somebody tells me they have a certain gift and they're, they're really wanting them to make it known, I typically get a red flag. <laughs> Use it. Don't abuse it. Don't broadcast it for self-recognition. And lastly, I would say this, especially in the issue that Paul was dealing with in this church, in particular the gifts of, of tongues and interpretation of tongues. I would say this, spiritual gifts are not a toy for us to play with. Spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit of God by His grace so that we might employ to the whole body. 
Now let's move on to the second part of this chapter. Not only is there unity and diversity that we see in verses 1 to 11, but secondly, we are all individuals, but we're uniquely interdependent. I'd gotten a stump this last week from tree company that came to stunt, cut some trees down in my yard, and there was this great-looking stump in the back of the truck, and I, I said, man, that's a good-looking stump. Now, you got to be a little weird to say that's a good-looking stump, right? He said, would you own it? And I said, yeah. So you got the piece of equipment. I, I, I have a, a flower pot in mind for this stump, okay? So he puts it in my yard where I asked him to place it in my yard, but I really need it in the backyard, and this thing weighs about 400 pounds. I couldn't move it, so I cut about six inches off the top of it, and I still can't move it, and it is killing me. You know why it's killing me? Because i got to call on a couple of other guys to come help me move this thing. You see, I don't want to depend on anybody for anything. But what Paul's driving at is it cannot be done in the body of Christ what he's called us to do if we have the individualistic idea, but we are radically dependent on one another. That's why we encourage you to get plugged into a Sunday school class or a small group. And I would say some of the best ways to employ these gifts, and they are employed through some of our groups, is through that small group context or that Sunday school class. He, he talks about the human body here, and there's not time to read the whole passage, but you remember the passage, don't you? In other words, everybody is not a head and everybody is not a toe. And the head can't say to the toe, listen, you're not needed because we need that toe, right? You know, funny illustration, you ever stumped your toe? Well, you know how bad it hurts and it affects the whole body. And so it is members in the body of Christ. And he tells us in this passage that because we are interdependent, when one is sorrowful, we are all sorrowful for that one. When one is rejoicing, we are all rejoicing. And I found sometimes that when one is sorrowful, the other one has to make up another story or use a story and say, you know what, my thumbnail hurts you a whole lot worse than your disjointed elbow hurts you. What's he showing? That we are the body, and we're intended to be the body. I think sometimes we, we have a tendency to really take for granted the beauty that God has designed in the body of Christ. Can, can you take just a second and look around you? Do, do a 180. Do, do a look. Do a look around you. Do you realize the diversity of individuals we have in this room right now? Not just the obvious diversity, where it may be skin color, but the diversity of different walks of life. We have blue collar, we have professional, we have southerners, and we have northerners. We have Georgia fans and a couple of Georgia Tech fans. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I couldn't help it. But we're all needed. You see, we're all needed to serve one another in the body. And we are all needed to accomplish the mission 
that God has set for us to accomplish to win, disciple, and send. You see, you may not have the idea that you're specifically called to children's ministry. But you may have the gift of administration that the children's ministry needs. You hear? You hear what I'm saying? You may not be called to serve on the finance committee. But you may have the gift of wisdom that the finance committee needs. Are we getting the picture here? Or at seasons, you may need to have the gift of faith that the finance committee needs. Now, praise the Lord, we're healthy right now. You may not be called as a pastor to shepherd a local church body. But you may be gifted as a pastor or shepherd, and God wants you to use that gift where you are in your workplace. You see, in our, my life in calling, there was about a seven and a half year period where I knew that I was, I knew I had that gifting of shepherd. I, I care about people. But I was frustrated because it wasn't happening in that sense of vocational pastoral ministry until one day I recognized where God says, you're at this electrical contractor place. Use that gift with the families that are employed here. Does that make sense? I came in contact with far more unsaved, unchurched folks in electrical contracting business than I ever have in the years that I've pastored. Why? That's an arena where most of you are. Use that gift there in order to accomplish the mission. Let me wrap this up. He concludes this chapter in verse 27 by, by telling us this. Now you are the body of Christ. Let that sink in. You're not the body of First Baptist Conyers. You are the body of Christ. And if I'm looking at it on a, an important scale, which one weighs out the other? Outweighs the other? We're, we're members of the body of Christ. Individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first, and he lists these gifts, apostles, second prophets, thirds, teachers, miracles, blah, 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 blah. It goes on. And he asks the question, do all work miracles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all gifts of healing, uh, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? And what he's saying, the rhetorical questions are, no, not everybody does that. And then he puts gifts in their rightful place. He says, but earnestly desire the highest gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And that leads us into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is the chapter of what? Love. In just a few weeks, we're going to start launching what, what we're calling our neighboring movement. I begin in August. 
And what I'm going to ask you, every member of the church, to do this is to look in your own neighborhood and your own community. And identify around you eight homes if you can. And the challenge will be, do you first know the names of those people and those homes? You see, sometimes we have the idea, and we've had the idea, and I know i got to wrap up. We've had the idea in the church that we, we hired the professionals to do. And somebody says, well, no, boy, I don't like that, Pastor. I don't like this. I don't like that. We're just not growing. And I want to say, wait a minute. One person, one staff can't do it. Visitation is not a bad idea. And if you have that gift... Do it. Don't wait for a staff person to lead it. Am I okay by saying this? One of the biggest mistakes that the church made in the church growth movement is we decided to start hiring professionals to do what the body of Christ is called to do. And the place where you start is where God has placed you. God has sovereignly placed you in a neighborhood with people around you, and some of them don't know Jesus. But the motivation in getting to know them is not to evangelize them. The motivation is that we love them and love opens up the opportunity to share where that love comes from. I guess I'll close with this question. Do you believe that the greatest gift, or do you agree with Paul? That the greatest gift that He has given us, Romans 5, He spread the love of God abroad in our hearts. That the greatest gift that He has given every believer is that we now, by the Holy Spirit, can love others as we love ourselves. Paul said it's the greatest gift. And so let me close with asking this question. Who is it that God's calling you to love? Is it your neighbor? It may be your spouse. It may be somebody you work with. It may be somebody that sits on the other side of the church because you want to avoid them. Oh, me or oh, my. Who's God called you to love? Let's not seek those other things. They'll be evident. But let's seek and ask God to give us the most loving hearts that He could ever give us so that we would have an impact in our community by the love of Christ wherever we are. Father, we thank you. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.